When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The inflation is hitting everyone pretty hard and pretty much everyone has had to cut back somewhere. Maybe you're going out to eat way less if at all. Maybe you're painting your nails at home instead of going to a salon. Or maybe you've canceled your vacation plans and decided to have a staycation instead. But there's one industry that's practically recession-proof and it might not be what you think. It's the pet industry. We will never stop needing our daily doses of serotonin when our furry loved ones greet us at the door at the end of a long day to tell us everything's going to be all right. The pet franchise market is expanding despite the rough economy and it's predicted to reach $42 billion in a couple of years. And that's up from 30 billion in 2020. Pet ownership itself is at a record high and honestly, it's not too difficult to see why. First, there of course are the pandemic pets. According to a Forbes survey, 78% of pet owners acquired pets during the pandemic. And I know that's kind of funky wording. This might mean that if you had a pet already, you got another, or perhaps you didn't have one, but because we were all locked inside, you decided to go for it. Either way, the end result is the same. Many pets were purchased or rescued in recent years, and a lot more money is being spent on them. And it's not just cats and dogs either, but it's more birds, rabbits, hamsters, lizards, guinea pigs, and fish are all warming their way into our hearts and homes. Other sources like Pet Product News say that even if the pandemic pet data may remain a bit controversial or fuzzy, so to speak, there's no denying the trauma that had us all holding our furry friends closer. With all that's happened in the US in recent years, many Americans have found comfort in animals. A cuddle with the sweetest boy or girl can do a world of good. According to the NCBI, they say it mitigates the effects of extreme stress and social isolation. Studies have shown that dog owners were on average more able to cope with emotional stressors and maintain physical activity better than non-dog owners during the pandemic. Plain and simple, pets make people better. Plus with YouTube and TikTok completely inundated with animal rescue videos, who can watch that and not want to go out there and find yourself an adorable puppy or kitten in need of a warm bed and some snuggles? And yes, before anyone says anything, it's true that a lot of these rescue videos are also fake, but that's an entirely separate issue in of itself. But seriously, there is something to the idea that when we're lonely and depressed, putting our energy into saving an animal in need can help make us feel better. And of course it makes the animal better too. It's why that cliche phrase exists in the first place, you know, who saved who. However, as much as you may care for, adore, and love your pet, the pet industry itself doesn't actually feel the same. You'd think that of all industries out there, this one may just be a hair more in touch, more wholesome, but that unfortunately isn't the case. Many pet stores, and certainly the pet industry just as a whole, doesn't care about Snowball's well-being or which food is best for your floof. They care about your wallet and how much you're willing to spend. There are exceptions to every rule, obviously, but there's no denying that this corruption runs deep. So hold on to your fuzzy or scaly loved ones a bit closer because today's episode of Corporate Casket is one bumpy ride. 
And if you love this content and want even more of it, make sure to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Illuminati. There you can get your hands on extra episodes, ad-free episodes, all sorts of bonus content, live chats, and more. So go ahead and check it out at patreon.com slash Illuminati. This law will put 80, at least 80 small businesses out of business. Deaths and illnesses. The agency says more than 130 dogs may have died and another 200 may have gotten sick. All the things that we use every day here at the Oregon Humane Society has gone up. Please note that this episode will mention animal abuse extensively within the first two sections. You can feel free to skip ahead if you're not in the right place to hear about those things at this time. But with that being said, let's get into it. But by 2024, Selmers and other pet stores in New York will no longer be able to sell dogs, cats, and rabbits. It's something Jessica Selmer has been fighting for years as the leader of a coalition of pet store owners. So let's go ahead and start with the root of it all. Where are pet stores getting their pets? A local pet shop or even a big chain may have minimal control over how the food and toys they sell are manufactured. It's true that they should still research a product before putting it on the shelves, but you'd think that any shop would take extreme care to know where their animals are coming from. After all, you're not giving someone a book or clothing for the latest fashion trend. This is a living being, someone's next family member. But unfortunately, even that, I guess, is a little too much to ask for. If you get a dog from a pet store, chances are you got it from a puppy mill. A responsible breeder typically won't sell to a pet store in the first place because they want to ensure that the puppy they're selling goes to a good home. These mills typically do not care. They're just mass producing dogs for profit with little care for their physical or mental well-being. And sure, you might be groaning, but Blair, I already knew that. Everyone knows you're not supposed to get a dog at the mall and clearly some people do or these stores wouldn't exist anymore, but I digress. You're probably thinking that buying at a local long-standing pet store might be better. They've got a reputation to uphold and better connections, except that's also not always the case either. A couple of years ago, a pet store that was established in 1954 was investigated by the Humane Society. The New York City store claimed they believed in, quote, providing healthy and happy pets to clientele from around the world. However, the undercover investigator documented sick and dying puppies being stored in side rooms and the basement so that customers couldn't see them. The investigator did ask management to take one especially sick golden doodle puppy to a vet. She wasn't even eating on her own, but they refused. Quote, the dog died after being left in the store with only intermittent inadequate care for about 24 hours between Thanksgiving morning and the next day. These are the kinds of stories that make my blood absolutely boil and break my heart at the same time. Even at a shelter, dogs can pass away and I'm not gonna pretend that that doesn't happen. Dogs get sick, they can die suddenly and they might be born with a condition that just can't be helped. It is tragic and it does happen. But in this case, the pet store literally couldn't be damned to try and get this dog some real help. They didn't even bring the golden doodle home over Thanksgiving to try and keep her nearby just to get her to eat. They didn't rush to an emergency vet when she stopped eating or even book her an appointment to see one as soon as possible. They just let it happen. There's ultimately no excuse for this. New York's Lexington Avenue American Kennels is now closed and may the people who ran it feel a fraction of the pain they caused to the masses of puppies that went through their doors. And for New York, there's a semi-happy ending here because the state has banned the sale of cats, dogs, and rabbits at pet stores to try and curb these mills. This is gonna take effect in 2024 and ban breeders from selling more than nine animals a year. 
but now that puppy mills have effectively gone digital and can find their customers online, I'm not sure how much this ban will actually truly do. Others argue it won't really hurt the bad guys, but it will harm the supposed good ones. will put 80, at least 80 small businesses out of business. That's going to include 1,500 plus jobs in the state of New York. That's going to include the rundown of groomers, trainers, um, veterinarians. Selmer says 80%- Truthfully, it's hard to say how much harm a ban like this can prevent without doing unneeded damage to people that truly want the best for animals. Maybe it'll push people to move towards rescues, or maybe it will move more towards shoddy websites to you know, get the exact dog that people are after and they're gonna just be more willing to take that risk. Ultimately, it's hard to say what's going to happen right now until we unfortunately watch and see. Now, some states have put similar bans in place, California being the first to do so, but other states can't move fast enough to try and do the same. One of these bills actually failed in Colorado, but has undergone serious changes. Indianapolis only just moved to ban the retail sale of dogs this past March, and now the state may intervene. And it's not just dogs, cats, or rabbits either. Reptiles, birds, and rodents are also sourced from mills. It might be really tempting to walk into a pet store, big or small, and say that you're rescuing an animal when you take it home, but the reality is that you're actually keeping these mills in business. And as demand goes up, living conditions for the animals go down. Birds are often severed from their parents too soon. Birds have barren cages without proper stimulation, and many of them will even chew or pluck their own feathers to cope with the stress. Rats will arrive to the pet store dying of starvation, dehydration, or severely injured because of how they're shipped, for convenience, of course, and not comfort. Hamsters and other rodents may have poor genetics because of the breeding, and their stress can trigger serious health conditions. Need I continue? I think the point is made. But it is the same with dogs, cats, lizards, fish, Pretty much name an animal a pet store sells and there's probably a terrible mill behind it. If there's profit to be had, that's what matters to them. But what about how these animals are treated once they are in a pet store? Maybe owners simply don't know what to do with all the sick animals from these mills, but surely they treat the animals they sell with care, right? They try to keep them happy and healthy, right? Husky, Golden Doodle, Great Dane, Maltese, Chihuahua, Yorkie Poo, more Frenchies. Most of the ads are posted on Craigslist and Facebook groups. A lot of the breeders, it's just about the money. And puppies often- While you'd hope that these dogs are being looked over and regulations are in place to protect them, that's not the case, at least not most of the time. Pet stores may say they're USDA licensed, but the standards to actually get said license are literally on the floor. Oh, and if the USDA guidelines are broken, they might just turn the other cheek anyway. Inspectors have been historically discouraged from reporting the poor welfare of animals, you know, their job in favor of, you know, business interests. And as for saying their AKC registry, it's kind of the same story. This registration or documentation means virtually nothing. It doesn't guarantee the health of a puppy or that they've even been treated well. Honestly, any AKC paperwork at a pet store probably isn't worth the paper it's printed on. I've got an entire episode about them separate from this, so I'm sure you can gather how I feel about them. Without any real regulation in place, this leaves it up to the pet stores to regulate themselves. And as you can guess, that's not gonna go so well. Back in 2015, it was uncovered that one particular shop, American Breeders, Puppies and Kittens, had some sinister things going on behind closed doors. Connecticut State Animal Control brought three accusations against the store, each one more terrible than the last. For starters, the pet store owner, Richard Doyle, transported a Shih Tzu puppy between locations and never gave them proper care or treatment for coughing, vomiting, and diarrhea. 
That dog was eventually put down. Second, a critically ill kitten was confined and basically left to suffer until they too were eventually put down. And third, Doyle performed unlicensed surgery on a mastiff. The surgery was to the dog's eye and once complete, the poor animal suffered from severe bleeding. I guess Doyle ultimately did not care if he saved a few dollars from a trip to the vet though. Not only that, but NBC alleged that Doyle performing surgeries on animals was routine and he'd order his high school aged employees to administer injectable medications and intravenous fluids to mask diseases, not to cure them. This way, sick animals might seem healthy to the public even when they clearly were not. Here's a quote. Doyle would then lie or ask his young employees to lie to the inspecting veterinarians regarding the illnesses so the veterinarians would not mark the animals unfit for sale. Now, eventually Doyle was arrested on a series of animal cruelty charges. Other pet stores, such as Tim's Reptiles and Exotics in Kentucky, have had lizards, snakes, hamsters, rabbits, and a whole variety of pet living in conditions worthy of a name House of Horrors. That's what the Humane Society and Burnside Police called it, as they found rodents with no access to fresh food or water, enclosures covered in spider webs, and turtles living in algae-infested water. Apparently, turtles and guinea pigs were even living in the same enclosures too. And my question here is, why become a pet owner when you literally just wanna torture animals? That's all Doyle and this owner, Tim Lorraine, really have done here. You'd hope that the owner of a local pet shop would show that they care more about animals than a massive chain, not less. And no, of course, not every small town pet store is like this. There are many that are incredible and do their best to source their animals ethically, provide basic care information, and you know, treat their sick animals. However, knowing which stores are ethical and hoping that regulators are holding them to high standards seems almost impossible. Another issue that I've found is knowing where to source your information about this in the first place. Throughout my research, PETA cropped up time and time again. And the thing is, while they may be right about certain pet stores being unethical, it's really hard to take them seriously after their damaging ad campaigns and glorified kill shelters. According to the San Diego Union Tribune, PETA believes that the popular chain Petco doesn't deserve the Animal Humane Certified Seal of Approval. They added that in 2019, a dozen Petco stores were cited for more than 80 violations of the Pet Animal Care Facilities Act. And this was just in Colorado alone. Cages were filthy, belated vet care led to animal deaths, and there were excessive amounts of dead fish in tanks and inadequate temperatures in exotic reptile enclosures. The Tribune added, quote, According to PETA, there are conflicts of interest between Petco and American Humane. The retailer's nonprofit organization, Petco Love, is a sponsor of American Humane's award show and announced a $30,000 grant to the organization's sanctuary last month. American Humane's chief veterinary officer was previously Petco's vice president of veterinarian medicine. Now, if this is true, that Petco didn't deserve the humane title and that their managers have pled guilty to animal cruelty, then it would be horrible. That's the catch. I have to add the, if this is true and alleged label to pretty much everything and anything PETA says because they simply aren't a trustworthy organization. Not only do we desperately need better care in these pet stores, but the people advocating for animals have to be reputable too. So we can actually trust that the situation is serious, it is dire, and we know it's coming from people that actually give us factually accurate information. Multiple times now, whether it was in my episode about zoos, greyhound racing, or horse racing, I've seen people abusing animals fire back against PETA saying that you can't trust what they say because PETA is a kill shelter too. And the thing is that no matter how disgusting animal abusers are, they aren't wrong about that. 
It is hypocritical for PETA to say any words because ultimately we need better regulations and better advocates in the space and we don't have either. In fact, when my team and I were going over the final touches for this episode and reviewing it, one of my video editors actually spoke personally on their experience as they worked for a pet supply store and they claimed that everything was about appearance and doing things quickly and not about pet health. At the register, customers were asked if they'd like to donate a dollar to give canned animal food to the local shelter, but these canned foods were actually expired. The money was used for themselves and the canned foods were fed to the animals at the store, effectively scamming the customer in the process. They alleged that they were even reprimanded for taking care of animals that needed more help, simply because there were so many pets to look after. Water bowls were consistently filthy and so many of them were sick and dying. When you go to a pet store, you need to look for signs of clean cages, hungry animals, dirty bowls, things that matter, things, those little details that really show if a pet is being cared for in that facility or not. But okay, let's move on and say that you do go to a pet store that sources their animals humanely and treats them humanely to boot. You may have found the holy grail, but unfortunately there are still other issues with the pet industry as a whole. And that is what the hell is actually in their food products. The pet industry as a whole doesn't typically care about your animal's cage or enclosure. Let me give you a few examples. You can walk into almost any pet store and I can guarantee you that they'll probably have a critter trail or living world hamster cage, something colorful, bright, plastic, and pretty compact. Almost none of these are actually acceptable for a hamster to live in. Research has shown that they need about 600 square inches of unbroken floor space minimum and a minimum of six inches of bedding to burrow. They can suffocate and become seriously sick from a buildup of ammonia and other terrible things in these cages, especially the ones with tubes. You'll probably see fish bowls too, or pictures of goldfish or betta fish kept in aquariums that are maybe a gallon at most. PetSmart's website shows a betta fish in a measly one gallon tank and Petco, you know, the ethical one, has a betta fish in a 1.3 gallon round tank. According to them, this tiny design is meant to quote, maximize views of your beta and accommodate their unique way of surface breathing. Because hey, getting a cool view of your fish is way more important than their well-being. And the same can be said of bird cages, guinea pig cages, ferret and rabbit enclosures. While the pet store may sell ones that are appropriate for your pet, there are many that aren't. Still, manufacturers keep pumping them out and selling them for cheap because future pet owners keep buying them. The mindset of why would the pet store sell anything if it's wrong persists, and it's a thought process we really need to break. And if the lack of proper enclosures wasn't enough, many pet stores themselves aren't safety tested whatsoever. Cat litter, toys, beds, crates, grooming aids, bedding, none of it is held to any particular standard. No one is required to test these things before they put them on shelves either. Dyes and chemicals in toys and bedding aren't monitored or required to be disclosed and pet shampoo producers aren't about to tell you if they've got dangerous chemicals or scents in them either. Truth About Pet Food states, quote, the labels of pet shampoos are free to just make about any claim true or not. The only exception is flea and tick shampoos or medical shampoos, which could be regulated. Now, I know this sounds maybe a bit paranoid or excessive. Like seriously, what's the difference if you get a different kind of nesting for a mouse or hamster when they're just peeing on it or burrowing in it or something? But as silly as that sentence is about to sound, cotton fluff is dangerous. The long fibers can actually get wrapped around a rodent's feet, teeth, or body. Something as simple as that, as cotton fluff bedding can do harm. Many mom and pop shops or independent stores do their research on these products, but again, not all of them do. 
The burden here is ultimately on the consumer to do homework about everything pertaining to their new furry friend. And I do mean literally everything. And aside from bedding and the basics you might need, there's also the food to think about. The FDA has found melanin-related compounds in animal feed before, melamine being an industrial chemical. Chickens, pork, fish, and eggs from animals that eat the contaminated food won't pose a health risk for humans, but when this chicken and pork is found in treats, kibble, and canned pet food, then it can be a serious problem. In 2007, 14 animals died from Menu Foods routine taste trials. They developed kidney failure after certain cuts and gravy-style dog and cat food was fed to them. Years and years later, even more deaths occurred when Midwestern pet food allegedly violated numerous food safety regulations. The FDA's inspection found aflatoxin, a poisonous substance produced by molds that seemed to lead to 130 deaths and 220 illnesses in the dogs that ate this food. Quote, the inspections took place at four plants after the company recalled several products, including its sports mix dry dog food. After the inspection, the FDA found 558 parts per billion of aflatoxin in the food. The limit of aflatoxin dry foods is 20 parts per billion. There was salmonella found too, because you know, of course there would be. And Midwestern was said to have done little to prevent any of this from happening. That's what sickens me the most about this entire thing ultimately is just the lack of care. Contaminations do happen and it can happen in pet food too. I don't want to label every accidental death as a malicious poisoning. However, Midwestern was allegedly neglectful to the point of malice. They knew that what they were doing was dangerous. They knew it could have serious consequences, but they merely went on their way labeling products as nutritious when it was in fact deadly. Even if the food isn't deadly, it could be downright unnecessary for your pet too, like crude ash filler. And no, it isn't literal ash and it can be beneficial in some amounts and by some amounts, I mean small amounts. However, there are some products that have just a ton of it, meaning that there is a lot of ground up animal bones, but not actual protein or vegetables and digestible ingredients. Other terrible, if not fatal products include pet store bones, which are often real animal bones that are processed to make them dry or add flavoring. According to the FDA, these treats have caused at least 15 dog deaths and symptoms like choking, vomiting, rectal bleeding, wounds in the mouth, and blockages in the digestive tract. What a treat indeed. Like with Midwestern, lawsuits have been filed around this matter too, but it's not enough to stop this from happening entirely. It's not hard to find dog bone treats in pet stores. Midwestern is still in business. And recalls or withdrawals of pet food happen all the time because of salmonella, lead, or aflatoxin. It's pretty sad that one of the most serious lawsuits I've seen in recent years is Jack Daniels suing Bad Spaniels, a dog toy for trademark infringement. So cool, we care about dog toys if they look like a whiskey bottle, but if they're a choking hazard, anything goes? Is there anything we can even do about this? Well, before we continue on to try and talk about some of the change that maybe can start occurring in this industry, let's take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Let's take a moment to check in with ourselves. How would you rate your relationship with yourself lately? Whether you're feeling confident and want to explore your innermost desires further, or maybe you could use a little boost in some self-love. Well, Dipsy's sexy audio stories are here to help. And that's because Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. And new content is released every single week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. 
They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read if that's your bag too. And I really enjoy the sleep stories because I have so much trouble sleeping. So it is genuinely very relaxing by the way. So let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com casket. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash casket, dipseastories.com slash casket. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is just about everywhere. Like seriously, please make it stop. Thankfully, there's a company out there that's giving you a very much needed break and it's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton. They have phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. Now I've been using Mint Mobile for over two and a half years at this point. We're going on three at this point, honestly. And it has been an absolutely amazing experience. And I mean, I can say that I've literally used them for years at this point. The service is always great. Customer service, if there's ever been a problem, is super easy and understanding. And it's super easy to manage my bill all on their little app on my phone. And it gives me little updates every month when the month has refreshed. So for people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com slash casket. That's mintmobile.com slash casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash casket. They do at five and alert for pet owners tonight. The list of recalls for potentially toxic dry dog food has expanded. The Food and Drug Administration warns there could be even more recalls. Consumer reporter Marilyn Moore, it's on the products, the dangers, and the I think by now it's pretty clear that the pet industry needs some serious help. I think that's not really up for debate. I think that's a big point we can all agree on. But bit by bit, change is coming. The pet food industry has agreed to more regulation, even if it may take a few years. And while laws vary from state to state, manufacturers intend on operating under one federalized system. This still seems a ways off from happening, and although it sounds great on paper, consumers still have questions, and rightfully so. Can the FDA actually handle this task? I've often joked that if the FDA steps in, that's how you know you've messed up pretty badly, because all too often the law does not step in until things are too late. And here's another question. Are they actually going to enforce the labeling system, review labels itself, or Worst of all, will this mean that pet food labels become even more misleading than they currently are with little to no supervision? And if that's the case, how will we know what we're feeding our pets at all? Then of course, there's the matter of how animals are sold. Laws change from state to state, such as adopting laws not to sell dogs, cats, or rabbits in stores unless they're rescues, but is there any chance that this can become federally regulated too? Will a pet store owner be able to simply say, yeah, I work with a rescue and leave it at that? Could this create another dark underworld of pet trading that's even worse than the current one? Truthfully, there's no way to know right now, and that's kind of terrifying, honestly. My prediction is that as more bans are put into place, we're going to start to find out if these regulations and preventative measures have any positive or negative effects whatsoever. But in the meantime, hold your fur babies close and research them as much as you can, because again, 
they can't advocate for themselves. But with all of that being said, that's where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. As always, I really appreciate you spending some of your time here with me today. It does mean the world to me and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.